up straight, good, think good thoughts, control yourself, put on a happy face, do it right. Many people, this is uh, what Christmas was about. Like you don't just have to dress up and put on makeup externally, you have to do it internally too. only a certain version of ourselves that can uh, can show up. I wonder how much we carry this over to prayer. Too. Sit up straight, be good, think good thoughts, control yourself, put on a happy face, do it right. As if there's only a certain version of ourselves that can show up before God when we pray. As if we're supposed to be holy before being human first. That's why the Psalms are are such a liberating gift to God's people. The Psalms shatter the illusion that we have to show up before God in any other way than our human selves. No matter how we show up, no matter what deep feelings, sometimes chaotic, that we have inside, the Psalms help us to be open and unafraid before God in prayer. Thus making space for God's transformative love to make us more whole. We're looking at the Psalms as a guide to prayer this Lenten season, precisely for that reason. Last week we talked about how the Psalms help us to share our secrets faithfully with God, how they help us to be honest with God in our prayers. Today, We look at how the Psalms teach us to pray our sadness. Let us pray. Almighty God, open our hearts to your word for us this day. We pray that it would take root there, that it would grow us, transform us, that we might live for you and bear fruit for your kingdom. Pray through Christ our Lord. Our scripture reading this morning is Psalm 42. I invite you to listen for God's word. Just like a deer that craves streams of water, my whole being craves you, God. My whole being thirsts for God, for the living God. When will I come and see God's face? My tears have been my food both day and night, as people constantly questioned me, where is your God now? But I remember these things as I bear my soul, how I made my way to the mighty one's abode, to God's own house, with joyous shouts of thanksgiving songs, a huge crowd celebrating the festival. Why, I ask myself, are you so depressed? Why are you so upset inside? Hope in God, because I will again give him thanks, my saving presence and my God. My whole being is depressed. That's why I remember you from the land of Jordan and Hermon from Mount Miser, Deep called to deep at the noise of your waterfalls, all your massive waves surged over me. By day the Lord commands his faithful love, by night his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. I will say to God, my solid rock, why have you forgotten me? Why do I have to walk around sad, oppressed by enemies, with my bones crushed, my foes make fun of me, constantly questioning me, where is your God now? Why, I ask myself, are you so depressed? Why are you so upset inside? Hope in God, because I will again give him thanks, my saving presence, and my God. The word of God for us, the people of God. 
Thanks be to God. My whole being thirsts for you, God. Tears have been my only food. Your massive waves have surged over me. Why have you forgotten me? Why do I have to walk around so sad? These are the words from someone experiencing deep despair and sadness. Grief. Someone who has experienced the truth that, that life can be so hard. That we live in a, in a broken world. Those words resonate with you. Just a week and a half ago, we began the season of Lent with Ash Wednesday when we receive ashes on the, in the shape of a cross on our foreheads, reminding us that we are mortal, that we're dust, and to dust we shall return. The Greek Orthodox Church calls the season of Lent a season of bright sadness. The ashes, like the season of Lent as a whole, also remind us of our brokenness and our need to turn to God to be made whole. Right? Sadness. My guess is, though, that it doesn't take ashes to remind us that life isn't always merry and bright. We live in a broken world. Life is hard. Divorce tears apart a young couple. A teenager loses her faith. Two friends wound one another and the friendship fades. Someone experiences deep loneliness heightening their depression. The death of a beloved one leaves an empty hole. A tough medical diagnosis threatens to rob life of joy. Chronic pain erodes simple pleasures. The death of a dream discourages to the point of despair. The loss of a job sends a family into agonizing uncertainty. A town Already struggled by, by uh, a town already struggling is ravaged by flooding once again. The, the news shows another mass shooting. Systemic racism continues to infect our society. Political violence and war, refugee and climate crises, homophobia, all, all of these things lead to incredibly deep feelings inside us. Feelings like sadness. Grief, despair, confusion, failure, abandonment. Do we just swallow it all? Do we put on a happy face? Do we dare go to God with the weight of our sadness? I've shared with you all several occasions in sermons before about the most painful season in my life when Lauren and I experienced two miscarriages back to back, the second at almost 12 weeks. It was so incredibly disorienting, so incredibly confusing, so incredibly painful, sad. Sometimes all I wanted to do was just groan. The deepest grief I've ever ever felt is the most alone felt. There were tears right alongside questions, right alongside the faintest thread of hope and trust in God. But what we didn't need in that season was having to get ourselves together, having to put on a happy face, having to just get over it, burying it deep inside, maintaining the illusion of self-control, of self-reliance, wrestling with sadness apart from God. No, what we needed in that moment was is the same thing that we all need in those moments when sorrow and sadness dwell. 
We need language to say out loud what our hearts can only groan. We need words to dig deep streams for our tears that lead to the fountain of life that is God. We need words that give coherent shape to our incoherent feelings in the presence of a God who is merciful and gracious. My whole being thirsts for you, God. Tears have been my only food. Your massive ways have have surged over me. Why have you forgotten me? Why do we have to walk around sad? That's what and how we needed to pray. Psalm 42 and countless other psalms in the Psalter say, yes, absolutely, we pray our sadness to God. We pray our pain. We pray our confusion. These psalms are known as psalms of lament. To lament means to express passionately grief or sadness or confusion. 40% of the psalms are psalms of lament. 40% psalms that bring sadness before God unfiltered. If the psalms were a playlist for God's people, the largest genre is the blues. You can see all this complexity and depth uh, and intention of feeling in Psalm 42 In Psalms of Lament, you see there's always this dance between describing vividly the feeling of the situation, asking hard questions of God, and then confessing hope. They all exist side by side. The psalmist says that he thirsts for God, but tears have been his food. That's the vivid and honest description of feeling. People are asking, where is your God? Maybe the psalmist is asking that too. Where are you, God? wonders the same thing. This is the questioning of God. And then there's the confident confession of hope. I remember how I made my way to your house to celebrate the festival. Hope in God, I will again give God praise. Feeling, questioning, hope. Then later in the psalm, my whole being is is depressed. Deep calls the deep at the noise of your waterfalls. Your massive waves surged over me. This is a reference to the chaotic waters of Genesis, the abyss, the uncreated state of Genesis when God begins to create. What perfect language, right, to describe when we're sad and grieving, chaotic waves surging over us. There's the unfiltered feeling. I will say to God, my solid rock, why have you forgotten me? There's the question. God, you're supposed to be a solid rock. Why do you not feel solid right now? Then again, Hope in God because I will again give him thanks and praise, my saving presence and my God. There's the hope. Describe the feeling, question God, confess hope. That's the language to say out loud what the the psalmist's heart can only groan. If he kept quiet, his heart would have been overwhelmed. These are words to dig new streams for his tears to lead him to the fountain of life. If he bottled up his tears, he would have drowned. These are words that give coherent shape to incoherent feelings in the presence of a God who is gracious and compassionate. If he didn't pray them, he likely would have been pulled apart. Praying our sadness with the Psalms reminds me of crossing a river where there's a rope strung from from one side of the river to the other. Have you ever seen pictures like, like these where a group of people or person is holding on to a single rope wading through the fast-flowing water of a river to get to the other side. 
in the midst of the chaotic waters that would otherwise sweep them, sweep, sweep them away, the, they hold on to a rope that's tethered to either side of the bank. That's what it looks like when we honestly pray our sadness for God. If the chaotic waters represent our sadness, our grief, our pain, we, we, we name it honestly, acknowledge it is there, and then we begin to, to cross through it while holding on to the rope of trust and hope that is anchored on one side to what God has done in the past and on the other side to what we hope God will do again in the future. So we're not wading into the sadness or the grief or the despair apart from God, but with God. We're not complaining to God apart from God, but with God. We're not questioning God apart from God, but with God. We're not wallowing in sadness. We're enduring through it. Sometimes there is no resolution. But we do find the ability to endure God inside us. So praying, praying our sadness isn't some kind of faithless cry. It's an act of wrestling out of faith in the presence of God. And, and we've always got our hand to the rope. The whole movement of praying our sadness to God presupposes a relationship with God. As Old Testament scholar Ellen Davis says, perhaps you can be deeply disappointed only in someone with whom you have a personal Yes, it is hard, but we will not be swept away. Yes, the sadness is real and even overwhelming, but so is hope. God. The sadness had to be real and overwhelming for Jesus in the garden. When Jesus was at one of his saddest, darkest, most despairing, confusing, loneliest points, when Jesus probably felt like massive chaotic waves were crashing over him, I wonder wonder what and how he prayed. Did he just try to get over it? Put on a happy face? Did he bury it deep inside? Scripture tells us that he asked his father if there was another way. I wonder also if if he lamented. I, I wonder if his anguished prayers when sweat became like drops of blood sounded like, God, tears have been my only food. I thirst for your presence. People are saying, where is your God right now? God, where are you? Deep calls to deep at the noise of your waterfalls. Your massive waves surge over me right now. I I will say to you, my solid rock, why have you forgotten me? Wait a second. Does that sound familiar? Those are the very words Jesus cried out on the cross. If Jesus prayed his sadness to God, we can too. Psalms. I remember in the aftermath of second miscarriage, pouring out my heart to God with desperation. I was in a river of confusion and sadness that was aching, deep pain, uh, a numbing confusion. And in the midst of the sadness and pain, I began to find the words and phrases in the Psalms that somehow captured the raw emotions of my heart that seemed to, to dig channels where my tears had permission to flow that gave voice to what I thought 
was not possible to voice. That turned me toward a God that I thought was far away. Will you forget me forever? Will you hide your face from us forever? God, our rock, why did you forget us? My bed is soaked with tears. It feels like an ocean of sorrow is under my skin. Consider my groans. Lord, I cry out to you and you don't answer. God, don't be far away. Come quick and help. God, remember your compassion. Make me able to praise you once again. There were many well-meaning and caring people who reacted with hesitancy and discomfort. I shared how we were feeling. Others wanted to to help us find the bright side or, or to quickly get past the pain to a better place. It's okay, God will give you another chance. Like, let's hurry through the discomfort of sadness and grief as quickly as possible. That's exactly why we need Psalms of Lament. We need to learn how to express sadness with God. We need permission to wrestle with God uh, with so- we need permission to wrestle with the sorrow with God rather than just rushing to end it. Because if we rush past it, we'll also rush past the God who's present in the midst of our sadness. If we stifle our tears, we'll miss out on the God who counts them. If we hold in our deep sighs, we'll miss out on the God who not only hears our sighs, but sighs with us through the Holy Spirit with groans too deep for words. Ultimately, we'll miss the deep healing, wholeness that comes when we don't rush through sadness, but process it honestly in God's grace. My whole being thirsts for you, God. Tears have been my only food. Your massive waves have, have surged over me. Why have you forgotten me? Why? Do I have to walk around sad? Hope in the Lord, because I will again give him thanks, my saving presence and my God. Maybe all of us need to pray those words or words like it. Our experiences and the feelings that they bring are not new, friends. We're a part of a whole history of people who have been overcome with sadness, grief and pain, whose words help us know that we are not alone. Lament is holy. My hope is that praying that way gives you language to say out loud what your heart can only say. May it give you words that give coherent shape to incoherent feelings. The presence of a God who Passion, mercy. May it carve pathways that lead fountains of life. Father.